0: You're listening to The Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. Lord God, we just thank you that we get to come into your presence, Lord. We thank you that we get to learn from you, Lord God. And we just pray that you'd speak through Blair, Lord, that his throat has kind of been bugging him, is not a hindrance to your message, Father God. We just pray your your presence in this place this morning and we'd open up our hearts and we'd receive you lord i pray all these things in jesus name amen amen thank you spoo i appreciate that good morning everybody i hope that uh you're doing well i'm glad you're here i'm glad i'm here that we're together uh it's a blessing to to have this time set aside on a (coughs) sunday morning to to come to god's word uh, together and to read it together and to allow his Holy Spirit just to uh, to guide us and show us what he has in store for us and so this is a thing that I never want to take for granted just the, the space to to read the word and discuss it a little bit I'm thankful for it um, if you're new I'll just uh, let you know we've been studying the the book of Galatians for quite some time now Uh, last week we had pastor greg uh, sharing a very really challenging message i felt i was extremely challenged by it in the best way um it was a message about uh, he jumped ahead to chapter six and he shared with us about what to do uh, in in order to to call one another out when someone is indeed caught in sin because Paul describes that and the way that we are to do this and conversely the way that we are not to do this and it was really practical but it, like I said it really just cut to the heart of the matter so um, if you are just joining us or perhaps you missed last week I would encourage you to uh, go on our website if you're able to do that and you can stream the, the message from last week um, about that topic because it was awesome. Um I'm saying all these nice things about Greg's message because he's not here with us this morning to hear me say them. Um, perhaps he's watching live, though. Hi, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> he said he, he said he was going to. <clears throat> it was good. So uh, today we're jumping back into the sort of chronological order that we've been going through. Uh, We've made it to the end of chapter 4, and we'll be starting chapter 5, which marks a shift in the book of Galatians. Five through the end is really where Paul uh, begins to tackle the the practical implications of what he's been teaching and and going over different uh, scenarios and problems and and all kinds of things. It's it's super good. Um, So today we'll just pick up at the beginning of of Galatians chapter 5. If you have a Bible, you're more than welcome to open there. That's where I'll be reading from. Um, we'll also have the verses up on the old PowerPoint, because John is awesome. And uh, I think he had to make the PowerPoint twice this morning. So double thanks to John for doing the extra work, um, for getting the, the graphics on display, including the scriptures. So Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 1. <clears throat> Paul speaking to the church, saying, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You're severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. But I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and that the one who's troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. An uncomfortable place to finish. <laughs> We're not going to discuss that yet. Um, for my message this morning, I'll, I'll go back to the top of, of what I've just read and we'll kind of go through it and, and we will end up at verse 12 again. Um but I wanted to start with 5 verse 1 because Galatians 5.1 is a summary of the whole point of the book of Galatians, even the point of, you know, life in Christ, right? This is what Paul has been saying all along. It's what he's going to be saying for the rest of the book. It's the main point, and it's the thing that we need to understand. It's a declaration. He says that Christ has set us free christ has set us free he set christians free it's not by anything that we could do or attempt or create so we don't need to go and throw away the freedom that we received by continuing to work like slaves for our spiritual liberty we're free we're free stop living like slaves that's what paul's saying He calls this a yoke of slavery. Um, In specific, what he's talking about is, as many of us will already know at this point, but if you're new to Galatians, um, the yoke of slavery is the attempts to please God by living according to the laws of the Old Testament, the, the Jewish traditions, and so on. And so Paul is saying Christian freedom is not found in the Jewish tradition. It's found in Jesus alone. And this is the argument that's, that he's been having with his opponents again and again. And also, if you're just joining us, you may find it weird to hear the word circumcision so many times in, in just one short passage of Scripture. What's the deal with that? Why is, why is Paul talking about circumcision? Well, this is uh, the act of circumcision is the symbol by which a person would mark themselves as uh, in a covenant to god to obey the jewish law right it stands for for the whole of of the jewish life for for a man and so um, the regulars at this church are used to hearing this word at this point so many times we don't even bat an eye because paul's been talking about it over and over again but i just wanted to Um, remind those who who perhaps don't know why paul would um, be referring to that it's it's not out of context it sounds weird but within context it's it's all about the jewish religion and the law and those who are trying to tell christians that um, yes jesus uh, saves but in order to you know actually be saved you got to follow christ and be a jew you got to um uh follow what jesus has said meanwhile following what the the jewish tradition tells us to do as well And, and paul says this is a lie this isn't true it's not what jesus said or taught and so he's trying to undo this kind of thinking in the galatian churches because for paul if if something's not from jesus then we shouldn't allow it in our minds in our hearts in our uh, faith, and certainly not in our, in our churches, right? And in our teaching and practice. If it's not from Jesus, it doesn't belong here. So here we are. This applies to us too, if, because if you've been saved by Jesus, then you're free from that religious obligation to somehow earn God's Affection, or to, to get his attention, or, or to, to purchase his love, or anything like that. Jesus perfectly held God's love, and perfectly obeyed the will of his Father. He perfectly trusted in his Father, and so as we place our trust in Jesus' ability, not in, in my ability, but in his, we're good to go that's it we're free because of jesus so again we're not supposed to be going backwards to complicated rules regulations and so on about ways to find god that's unnecessary now according to paul and christian scripture so this is what we're talking about it's for freedom that christ has set us free therefore don't submit again to the yoke of slavery don't do that um <clears throat> i i read an uh, a metaphor for this that i thought was really cool so i wanted to share it with you guys it goes like this uh in the winter time in canada and cold places like canada um bodies of water freeze right whether it's rivers or lakes or whatever they, they get covered in ice and not so much in Lethbridge, but pretty much everywhere else in Canada. Um, when it's cold enough for the ice to freeze, it becomes very, very thick. Uh, thick enough that you can not only you know walk out on the ice, but you can actually drive on the ice. Can you? Who's done that? Who's driven a truck or a car out? This is, I know uh, I've done this as well, and, and it's safe to do. It's fine and you can do all sorts of things they even have roads you know built across different ways of water when it's when it's cold enough to do that um no problem so the metaphor goes that the law of moses operated kind of like this thick ice that was covering the lake it provided a way in the winter for god's people not in the winter, but metaphorically speaking in the winter, uh, for God's people to be safe and to live with the ability to uh, move and and to get across the distance between themselves and God. And they were supported by the law that God had given them to do this. So like I said, in the wintertime, this is normal and safe as long as you're paying attention. Um, But here we are, in April, like Brad said at the start, praise God, spring has sprung. Uh, it's warming up. And this applies to the metaphor as well. When Jesus came, winter ended and spring came. Temperatures rose. It was winter before, but with the person of Jesus, the cold is left and there's new life here on earth and warmth. So the ice on the lake that was once uh, so thick and certain and had uh, a practical purpose has melted. As winter makes its exit, our ability to drive across the lake in a truck becomes uh, dangerous at first and then completely impossible, which isn't really a problem anyways because we don't even think about doing that in the summertime, do we? It's like, It doesn't enter our minds to... Drive out on the lake because it's you can't do it there's open water, and so to continue the metaphor, we could say that Jesus is like a, a ferry or a fleet of boats or something which which can you know safely carry us again across the distance between us and God in his grace. The problem, however, is that if we insist on using the methods of crossing the lake that we used in the winter, we're going to get stuck at the edge or we'll just drive into the lake like Michael Scott following a GPS (laughs) if you know the reference if you don't, that's fine it's the same either way you'll drive your car into the lake and get into deep trouble Um, so Paul's opponents in this illustration they're eager to insist that everyone should cross the lake by car Even now that summertime's here. So Paul says, forget that. You don't need to get stuck at the edge of, because that's what's going to happen. You'll get there in your car and you'll get stuck. You're not even going to be able to cross if you're going back to legalism and Jewish law and practice and stuff. It's just not going to work out. You'll lose if you do that. Spring has come. Your truck's going to get you nowhere jump in the boat with jesus he'll take you across instead and it's so much better the messiah is all we need to be free in life so instead of the old way which was salvation through keeping a law or that's what the jewish influencers are telling christians to do i love how paul speaks in verses uh, five and six to describe the correct Christian life he says for through the spirit by faith we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything it's not that Paul's against circumcision it's he says that's not the point because neither matters it's only Faith, working through love. And I want us to get this. Rather than striving to make things work out between me and God in terms of my salvation all the time, Paul says that his spirit causes us to do what in verse 5? His spirit causes us to wait. His spirit causes us to wait. We eagerly wait for the hope Of righteousness in jesus we aren't stressing we're eagerly waiting knowing that jesus has already won everything that we need so our traditions they count for nothing right we hold them loosely they matter not in terms of salvation at the end of verse six paul says what actually counts is our faith working through love faith working through love You see, religious laws, they exclude, they keep people at a distance from God or bring them closer to God based on your performance and how you're able to follow through with the the rules. But Paul says, this sets us up for failure uh, one way or another. Love, on the other hand, as he points out in 6, love welcomes us into God's presence, regardless of our culture or our status or our, or our background or anything like that. God's love is open to all. And this is the good news. So as people brought before God by his grace through Jesus, what matters is that we, as we experience this love that we uh, Put it into practice as well, right? That our, our, our faith is working through love. We're, we're showing God's love as we live. For in Christ, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. That's where the rubber hits the road. And like I said, as we conclude the book, Paul's going to go all kinds of places to describe what this looks like um, for us practically. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, but now let's continue through our passage as we kind of review it. Uh, verses seven to twelve, there's a change of tone. Paul's not uh you know talking in an encouraging way anymore. He's angry again. Paul starts reminding the readers once again to be super careful of whose teaching they allow to influence them and whose whose instruction they actually accept. On these issues he says in verse 7 you were running well who hindered you from obeying the truth this picture of running is like someone uh imagine you're running like on a track you know and your your lines are on either side of you and then someone comes up alongside you but they're not running in their lane they start inching over into your lane trying to to actually push you off of where you're supposed to be you know into the who knows where he says, you were running well. Who who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, this little tongue twister in verse 9 um, is a, a Jewish metaphor, uh, a common one that we may be familiar with, but I'll remind us. It's about yeast, right? And Paul's just saying uh, a very tiny bit of yeast completely changes and compromises uh the bread that you put it in or whatever it's in especially if you don't want it there which in the jewish tradition of passover the unleavened bread is a very important um type of uh, symbolic element right there's no yeast in that bread so a little leaven leavening the whole lump is he's again speaking the jewish language except he's spinning it to, to point it back at them and say that just a tiny bit of untruth can actually you know run you off track it can it can ruin, it can spoil everything for you if you're not aware of it and don't deal with it and get it out of um, the system. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, and this truth remains today as we've been saying again and again. We have to be wary of of additions or subtractions to the gospel, to the gospel of Jesus. Small changes to the simple truth of salvation in Christ can completely ruin us. And take us all sorts of places uh, moving on to verse 10 i have confidence in the lord that you will take no other view and that the one who's troubling you will bear the penalty whoever it is i appreciate that paul um, even though he's angry he ultimately gives the judgment to god he trusts god with that and, and he, he knows it's out of his hands he says whoever it is and whatever they've done they'll bear the penalty um but if i brothers was still preaching circumcision why am I still being persecuted? And the reason he says that is because there's no doubt that these Jewish influencers are telling Christians, well, uh, Paul does believe in the Jewish stuff. Uh, perhaps he forgot to mention it to you, or or you've forgotten, or something, you know. But but he's a, he was a Jew after all, so so you gotta do what we're ta- what we're telling you. And Paul says, if that was true, I wouldn't be persecuted for this dispute, right? I, I completely disagree with this. Um, Don't listen to those who would say anything otherwise. Because in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish that those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. So Paul's angry again. And and verse 12 is probably the Apostle Paul at his most rude. Um, he, He says a lot of rude, well not a lot, but he says a few rude things. This is probably the rudest one. It's not PG. It's not churchy talk at all. It depends on which translation uh you have and how it reads, but in case you missed the insults in verse twelve what Paul's basically saying is if if these people are such a fan of circumcision they shouldn't just stop there. They should go the whole way. Which is clever but very rude. And so I I cannot um, condone that, either way but he couldn't resist it was too good of an insult to to pass by i'm sure he was waiting you know just for that moment Uh, because he's angry and we'll put our sensitivities aside and ask i think we do well to pay attention and ask why you know why is paul so upset about this that he would you know basically uh, say say what he said um There's a lot of reasons for Paul's anger. It would be a long list, but the main point is simply that he doesn't want to see Christians deceived and led astray back into slavery, right? We're redeemed from spiritual slavery, so Paul doesn't want to see us take that burden back, especially on the instruction of of some person who's trying to lead us away from Jesus, so considering verse twelve, I think one of the challenges here is to ask ourselves if we 're even close to as passionate about the truth of the gospel in our own lives as Paul is in this scenario um, and I hate to play the compare yourselves to Paul card uh, because I think oftentimes it 's not really fair to do that but once in a while it is appropriate and helpful you know to look at Paul uh, what he's saying or doing and and, and how emotional he is about what he believes and what he's teaching and ask ourselves if if we feel that way even just a little bit right do we really care when people are are missing out on the freedom that we've been given in jesus not so much in our context it's not so much with jewish influencers but there's no shortage of, of truth-twisters and, and lie-tellers and people who, who want to mislead us away from the truth. So are we careful to, to follow Jesus very faithfully together you know, and prayerfully and, and have each other's uh, back as a church in terms of, of what we're saying and teaching and believing? Do we help one another out when we do see someone going astray on these very important matters of faith. Because we should care. This stuff matters. It matters a lot. We should care enough to be angry at at the lies and things that aren't true and the wrongdoings within and outside of the church. Paul is many things, but he's not apathetic. And this applies especially to, to basic doctrine, right? This is why Paul is trying to be as thorough as he can, and, and he's so intense about it because it's basic stuff. He's not splitting hairs about, I don't know, the, whatever, the kind of clothes you wear to church or something. Like, this is the things which lay the foundation of, of who Christ is, who we are, our salvation, our relationship with God, and all these, you know, all these things. So, um, As he said, by changing it, the offense of the cross, it's erased. If we look back to chapter 2, Paul says in in 2.21, uh, that if, if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. It's a big deal. If something dethrones Jesus in our churches, in our faith, in our own hearts, then it has to go. His, his life, his death, his resurrection, these things are too precious for us to hand off for any kind of compromise. So my conclusion is to return from uh, where we started at. Paul reminds us we've been set free to be just that, Free. We're free. We've been set free to to resist any kind of spiritual slavery that we may be tempted by. In Romans 6.13, Paul says that sin will have no dominion over you. Since you're not under law, you're under grace. It's his grace that sets us free. And in the Gospel of John, I love what this says. It says, from his faithfulness, we've all received grace upon grace. We've received grace upon grace. Don't hand it off for, for slavery. So my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would lead us always into the freedom and that we would follow him into the freedom that was paid for us on the cross. This is grace upon grace. We should receive it. Now the picture of grace, somewhat ironically, is the awful uh, death of the perfect Son of God, Uh, the burden of sin placed upon him who had never sinned at the cross where Jesus' blood was poured out, or his body was torn for us in order to justify sinful people back to their perfect creator, God. And through this one act, the curse of death was lifted, the, the burden of the law was taken off of our shoulders, the penalty was paid for, it was all done on your behalf because God loved us so much. If you hear these words and you accept Jesus' completely gracious offering to forgive your sins, then receive that. And and in receiving that, I welcome you this morning to receive uh, communion as well as a form of worship and obedience to Jesus' instruction. Um, We offer this on Sundays as a way to, like I said, to come before the cross and to be reminded of what happened there and to eat and drink the symbolic elements, which is um, a type of worship where together we proclaim that Jesus' death and resurrection saves us and we proclaim that that's true now and it's true forevermore until he comes and with that, as Paul says we're able to eagerly wait for that uh, hope of righteousness in the meantime as we enact our faith through the love of God to the world around us amen so um, I'll invite the band to come back to the stage and and uh, and we'll play and as you feel ready as you've taken the time to to pray yourself and and um, to come before God and to just reflect on the cross, to, to search your heart, and like I said, to to bring whatever you have to the cross and, and, and lay it down there as, as a way of surrendering to, to God once again. Um, please come up as you feel ready to do that, and you can take the, the cracker, which represents Jesus' body broken on the cross, and the, the red juice, which is a representation of his blood, uh, shed on the cross for our sins and um, I invite you to do that and we, we also have prayer ministers who will be um, ready to pray for you if you have anything you want to pray about if there's anything you're struggling with or, or a question that you uh, have about the, the things that Paul's teaching or or, or anything uh, please see our prayer ministers after communion at the back there um, and then we'll sing together to, to close the service so I'm just going to pray Uh, right now, and just say, Lord, um, uh, grace upon grace, you've been so generous to us, uh, so good to us, in all that you do, God, all of your ways are perfect, but um, as we, once again, uh, just remind ourselves of uh, the simple truth of the gospel. Um, as Paul is, is reminding us not to, to bend on those things or to add or subtract from them, God. I just pray that the goodness of who you are would be um, become even deeper in our minds and hearts, Lord, and that our, our faith would be uh, strengthened as we uh, look to you and, and we bring whatever we have, God, and just lay it before you in submission, Lord. Help us to to trust in you, to um Truly, be able to to wait eagerly, Lord, for that righteousness that was bought for us on the cross, and to be able to uh, get rid of that persistent temptation to, um, you know, do it our own way, to try and uh, uh, find you, God, on, in our own strength, or to create, um, you know, things that are unnecessary and and not from Jesus. Um, And God, as we take uh, this morning, my prayer is just for um, all of these things to to be made true in our hearts and and in this church, God, uh, for your glory. All of this, God, for your glory. And uh, we bless your name. We bless the name of Jesus. And we thank you for the presence of your spirit, Lord, and your grace upon us this morning.